0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the
1: social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelsner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Daryl Eves and we're going to talk about YouTube ads and what marketers need to know and you're really going to enjoy this show. If you want to reach out to me, my email is podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Come straight to my email inbox And with that, let's transition to this week's Discovery of the Week.
1: Helping you stay alive in a social jungle,
2: here's this week's survival tip.
0: This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher, and he has a brand new discovery for us that he's been using for a while. Eric, what did you find?
2: Yes, I found Overcast. It is an iOS uh, podcast app. It's for iPhone, iPad, and even Apple Watch. It was recent. The reason it's a discovery now and not two years ago or so, uh, when it first came out, was because they've totally revamped and improved it, and made all of the extra bonus features that were once paid are now free.
0: So, for those of you that are listening right now that are on iPhones and you use the the podcast app from Apple. Uh, you probably know if you upgraded to the iOS nine that they've radically changed it, and frankly, it's much more confusing, in my opinion, uh, than it used to be. It's not as intuitive, and I've seen it go through quite a few revisions over the years. Um, but you know, I do have Overcast on my phone, but I haven't used it in a while. So, kind of talk to us about sure. what what makes it your favorite podcast app.
2: Yeah. Well, first off, easy discovery of podcasts. I mean, the fact that it's got. Just you what you what you can do is you can connect your Twitter feed and it will find out what shows your Twitter friends have been tweeting out. Mm. So that's cool. It's kind of like a you know personal curation. Uh, there's also a way that in the app you can, uh, suggest an episode while you're listening, saying, Man, this one's really good. I got to suggest everybody listen to it. And those kind of get voted up and ranked and shown to people inside the app as well. So, okay, now
0: hold on for a second. One of the things I don't like about the iPhone app is if I've just listened to an episode and I'm halfway through and I want to email somebody. Um, it doesn't seem to be very good. You know, it's like, you know, the, the ability to, to send an email to, hey, listen to this podcast episode. Sometimes it seems like it links to the episode. Sometimes it seems like it just links to the podcast. Do you know if there's an easy way when you're in Overcast to say, hey, so and so, you got to listen to this? Do they have an easy way to share that with a private person, like via email?
2: yeah I think you you just hit the uh, the share button like you would you know share sheets on iOS right, and it gives you all those options. Gotcha. Cool. So, yeah, pretty easy so and discovery is honestly not even the most important piece here. the The biggest for me and and other audio files like you are <laughs> is there's there's this voice boost stuff. I mean, it can make even an awesome sounding podcast like this one much better uh, well, not much better, but the other ones, it'll bring all those back up as well. It boosts, it normalizes the volume. It makes all of the shows that you're listening to, regardless of the the variety and quality sound wise, it boosts them. It gives them a loud, clear and normalized volume.
0: Oh, that's cool. So like if you're listening to a show where obviously, uh, one party's audio level is much higher than the other, somehow it'll levelize it is what you're saying yes
2: yes it, it, it takes the it, it auto normalizes levelizes inside the app as the, the 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 variance between the two voices and, right. and makes it similar
0: okay so so far it, it it takes care of the audio levels um what else makes it unique
2: it's got smart speed this is something that no other app out there does do it takes out the silences and dynamically. So even though we, I mean, again, I just did it. You naturally have a pause in your conversation. This will shorten those silences (laughs) enough that the show goes faster and you can get done, you know, minutes ahead of when you usually would, but it doesn't make it sound all sped up and, and crazy like,
0: huh? Well, you know what's cool is I just downloaded it while you were talking and it's syncing my other podcasts from the uh, um, the Apple podcast player. So it knows which podcasts I'm listening to and it's going ahead and syncing them. There you go. <laughs> Sounds really quite cool. So, so this is your primary uh, player that you use.
2: It is, yes.
0: Now with this smart sync thing or whatever the heck you called it, does it sound weird or does it just, I mean, does it save you just a couple minutes per episode or what?
2: Yeah. I mean, it it it's, it it's keeps the conversation still sounding natural. I can leave the, I mean, there's other uh, speed changes you can make as well outside of smart speed, but if you only turn smart speed on and leave the re- the speed at regular, you still save time every time you listen to a podcast, but you can't tell that you spent less time listening to it, or that it was sped up at all.
0: Mm, very cool.
2: So one last key feature, you, if somebody has in their show notes uh, time codes, it, you can press that, and it will automatically jump to that place in the episode. Wow, that's really cool. That's, that's the most innovative thing I've seen in a while. Yeah, I'm
0: not sure too many podcasters are using that these days, but if they are perhaps they're bigger podcasts. I know we don't use them. No. Um, but that's really cool. Have you come across any time codes on any of the podcasts that you listen to?
2: I I did. There's actually not many people know this, but I'm a little bit of a comic book geek and there's one particular show I listened to where they review stuff from the last week and it had time codes on it. And just by accident, I tapped one and it jumped right there and I said, Whoa, mind blown.
0: That is really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, where do we, where do we find the app and does it cost anything?
2: It is completely free. You go to overcast.fm.
0: Eric, thank you so much. I downloaded it. I'm going to give it a shot. And um, if you do download it and give it a shot, be sure to subscribe to this podcast if it doesn't sink over. (laughs) Thank you, Eric, so much for
2: joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at social media examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the social media marketing podcast, not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the social media marketing society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview.
1: Helping you simplify your social safari,
2: here's this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited to be joined today by Daryl Eves. If you don't know who Daryl is, he's an expert in YouTube and video marketing. He's YouTube certified in audience growth, AdWords, Google Analytics, and video advertising. And he's also helped big and small businesses bring in more than 1 billion views on videos collectively, which is pretty impressive. Daryl, welcome to the show.
1: It's great to be here, Michael.
0: So today, Daryl and I are going to talk about YouTube advertising. Surprise,
1: surprise, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know
0: what's funny? I don't think I've ever talked about this on my show.
1: Well, I'm glad to be the first here. Yes, you so. are the
0: first and you are the man. So All right. um, before we get into YouTube advertising, let's scale back for a second and talk about like how in the world did you get into YouTube?
1: Well, you know, I, the big thing for me is I was looking for interesting ways to generate traffic and take that traffic and take people through the process of conversion and I was on Craigslist, like on 2005. I mean, it was like you know, trying to find something like a couch or something. I can't remember specifically. And I saw this ad for a website that was giving away free iPods. And I'm like, okay, I got to go check this out. You know, they have me. I'm going to go see. This website—it was a place called
0: YouTube—and
1: hmm. I, I saw it. I'm like, "This is amazing! I can actually upload video, and and they're gonna pay for all the bandwidth, and you know, we're able to do that. i mean, this is fantastic." And so I did what they recommended—is just you know, pretty much spam all your friends and family. And I'm an owner of the old brick <laughs> iPods that they were giving out, and that was a 2000, uh, late 2005. Uh, 2006.
0: Wait, hold on a second. Let me, let me explore this a little bit. So at this point in 2005, had YouTube just come out or had it been out for a while?
1: YouTube started beta in May. They opened it up where they started uh, publicly opening up beta worldwide, um, in about August. And I hit it around late uh, October, early November.
0: Okay, so so, so. YouTube is, is is a total startup at this point.
1: Uh, totally, totally. And what happened next was I realized that this is a great place to really deliver a message. So if you have a message, we can literally get that out in front of people, and it's a really easy way um, to really get your message out and really connect people on a level that you couldn't necessarily do with online video or online before. This is like a real, uh, catapulting, uh, opportunity that was happening at that moment where, you know, people were, internet speeds were getting a little bit higher and, and YouTube was starting to establish an other, other services out there. But in 2006, I, uh, I did a lot for search engine optimization, worked with local businesses and um, different uh, companies to get them more visibility. And I found that these videos ranked really easy on Google. Uh, and I'm like, wow, this is this is great. And at that time, Google had Google Video. And at, in late 2006 is when Google actually purchased YouTube for billions of dollars. And it really transformed everything, and it made it a lot easier. So when you submit something on YouTube, it would you know be found in in Google. And I found these these small mom and pop shops and people It was a great way for them to get the message out, get easy ranking that you didn't have to really do anything SEO wise besides doing some meta information and get them visibility. And uh, it was fantastic journey. And wh- where this really gets interesting was. I had a client um, that was a pest control uh, company, and they were spraying for bugs in another business, which they had a piano store. And the piano store was looking for someone to help them with YouTube. He's like, "Oh, you got to use this guy, Daryl. You know, he's just down the street. He's amazing. You know, he can help you out." Well, this this uh, piano store was was doing YouTube videos to actually. Uh, put on YouTube to help sell pianos, but then they found out that you know they're it was rec- really taking off, and and it was um, you know positioning them where they get a global audience, but they weren't selling any pianos, and so uh, I worked with them and and worked with them trying to get some audience development and so on. Uh, before you know it, you know they had um, just in a short amount of time they had over two million subscribers and hundreds and hundreds of millions of video views, and I'm like this is what I love. And so that's kind of how I got, you know, introduced to YouTube and I've used it at every level and I just, I just love it.
0: Okay. So in the early days you were basically helping businesses in your area figure out how to, how to get exposure in search in, in Google. And then YouTube came along and you began to realize, wow, this video thing ranks high in search and maybe it could be something exciting. Were you actually creating the videos for your clients? Yeah, I,
1: I, I would. I mean, we would uh, do it internally, or I would shoot it or whatever. But I think the biggest thing is I, um, I live in a very small town. I'm in rural U- Utah, just outside of Zion National Park, just a beautiful place in the world to live. I was convincing people in 2006 to do online video, and one of which is a good friend of mine. He owns a furniture company, and he, that company's been in business for 50 years. I says, Steve, why don't you invest in, in, in creating a video and just be loose with it? Let's have some fun with it. And he says, okay, that's great. Cost him $99 to shoot. Like it, we, we were able to shoot it. really inexpensive back then. And we uploaded it. It was a really rough cut. And that one video has over 385,000 views on it and has sold more couches and sofas in, <laughs> than any other advertising he's ever done. And it only cost them $99, and they, they're still using it even today, almost, almost 10 years after the fact.
0: That's crazy. Okay, so fast forward today. What do you do now? So
1: I do the same thing. Um, I still consult and help businesses and brands and YouTube channels get the exposure that they're looking for, develop an audience, and then uh, monetize off that audience. So you know, using video as a traffic source and then converting that traffic into money, basically.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. And you work with a lot of big brands. You work with a lot of small brands. And um, you are the man behind the scenes on a lot of this stuff, I would imagine. But you also put out videos on your YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, you know, I I do a lot of consulting for big brands, and it's really amazing that the things that they don't know. Um, And I really got sick of um, answering the same questions over and over again. So I thought, hey, you know what? Um, I, I do all this work for content creators. I do all this work for businesses and brands. I need a place where they can just get their information. So I decided to look into it. There were a lot of competitions, a lot of good friends of mine that they had YouTube channels and they were making how to videos on, on YouTube. My goal was um, number one, uh, you know, help my, my clients be able to get answers to the question without, you know, asking more of my time. Right. And I created a plan. Um, I decided to do it like in April. I created a plan of execution in July and I literally uh, f- tried to figure out the best trending videos to make and so on. Um I launched the the beginning of the year, so it was like six months after i I did the plan. and um my goal was to get ten thousand subscribers and a million views in that first year. And in three months, I obtained my goal. Wow. <laughs> and I had to reanalyze and adjust and and in six months, I was the number one uh, training youtuber uh, you know training how to YouTube on youtube, which was which is great. And, and how
0: long have you been doing that now?
1: Uh, Over two years. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, all this is to kind of establish a little bit of your story. I think people love hearing the story. Um, Let's get into the video ads. So first and foremost, I know a lot of people, when they think of advertisements, they think of Google search or they think of Facebook ads. But let's step back and say, why video ads? Let's start there before we get into why YouTube video ads.
1: Well, the, the best way to really engage in on it, so the best way to sell someone is is word of mouth. It always is, has been and always will be. The second type is virtual word of mouth, you know, getting people involved. But the visual component outside of those two mediums, the the next component, when someone doesn't know about you and the way to educate them and keep their attention is the only way that really is hit, hitting the masses all at once is video. It's a, it's a great way to deliver, uh, a great way to engage, to excite them, and to keep them in there. And so video is really powerful if it's done right, and it's really negative if it's done wrong. Mm. Um, and it's really understanding you know, you know, the type of formulas you create for the different types of platforms and, and how to really engage someone. And, and you know, on, on this podcast, I, I, I hope that we can kind of discuss, you know, what makes a good video and, and what we can go through the video ads. But really, um, video ads can convert at a level like uh, you'd never seen before. Uh, we just launched a product. Um, I was an executive producer, project lead, for a, a stool that helps you use the bathroom better. And I know a lot of people would uh, kind of laugh at it. It's kind of a very difficult product to educate people on because it's gross. I mean, just talking about bathroom things, it's gross. So um, I was contracted by the Harmon Brothers to come in and and help with this project. And our our process was, how do we make it not gross and cute and we can educate and sell product? And if you haven't had a chance to look at it, look at Squatty Potty. Uh, They were on Shark Tank. Uh, It's a great, great little product. Um, and if you type that in, you're going to see a little video with a unicorn on it, click on that, watch it. And you'll be able to see what we're talking about here. I think right now, as of, uh, today, we have like 43 million video views combined with Facebook and, and YouTube and some free booted
0: stuff. So that's awesome. Um, Facebook is also obviously getting into video ads. Why YouTube versus Facebook ads? I mean, talk to me a little bit about it. I don't know what your familiarity was with Facebook video ads.
1: Yeah, I I believe in not being just specific to one platform. Uh, every platform has a different specific thing. And, and with Facebook, what I found, if you're looking for branding, if you're looking to really get your brand out there and you have a really good engaging video that people would share – Facebook is a great place to, to institute that. Like I said, um, I, you know we, we, we launched it and uploaded it natively to both platforms. Hmm. The difference is is what we wanted to accomplish off of one versus the other. Gotcha. Now, if you're going for straight conversions, um, it, you know if all you're worried about is getting the conversions down, yeah, you can do both platforms. But just keep in mind that your conversion rate won't be as high with Facebook. Um, the reason why is when they count a, a video view, it's three seconds. Uh, when YouTube counts a video view, it's 30 seconds. And so you have to keep that in mind from there. And there's different ranking factors and so on. But you know, if if your whole goal is conversions and getting the word out, then you want to use both platforms um, for the long tail. Because um, because of the edge rank in in Facebook, what happens after um, you know a period of time is you basically uh, that that post has less value and it's going to show up less, and your post reach is going to go down on that specific post, and the discoverability is hard. So. You know, for first immediate views and getting people exposed, Facebook is an amazing way to do that. The, the, the long tail uh, campaign would be YouTube because it's searchable. People are used to going to YouTube and the way that ads are served up on YouTube is just a natural part of the platform where Facebook is struggling in that regard, regard for discoverability and, and issues like well, that. Well, then
0: you got the whole search side of it too with Google, yeah. right? Uh,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: So, okay, let's zoom in on YouTube ads. Um, I think probably most people, when they think of ads, at least me, I think of like the new Star Wars, you know, trailers and stuff that everybody's sharing.
1: Wasn't that awesome? It was awesome.
0: (laughs) I love it. But you know, I mean, obviously that's outside the budget of most of us. So like, what is, let's talk about the different types of videos that make for good ads, because, you know, um, some of these things don't even need to be technically ads because people will just share it because it's so darn good. But I mean, let's just step back. Like what, what types of video ads are there? I mean, if there was like a a bucket of different types what would they be so i wouldn't necessarily go
1: after the types of videos it's like what do you want to accomplish with the ad and then what you do is go through a series of questions to um really know how to make that content so if your goal you need to say what do i want to accomplish from this ad if you have 80 things that you're saying that you want to accomplish then it's never going to work if you have 10 it's never going to work if you have 3 it's never going to work
0: you want one if, if, one. if you
1: have one, one reason why you're making the ad, and and then everything else will be benefited from it. So with the squatty potty video, our biggest thing was we wanted conversions. We wanted to educate and convert them because the only way to convert them was to educate them on the process of of um, why they needed the product.
0: So a conversion uh, for you means what?
1: Conversion would would equate to either a sell of a product. It could be adding to an email list it could be uh, a subscriber on a youtube you know gotcha. channel you know it, it, you just have to see what it, the conversion is it's just them taking action somewhere and that's what a conversion is and so what what i would say is the type of video you make is you want to know what success looks like and then you work backwards and you want to fit you want to figure out okay if if my goal is to get them uh, just get our name out there, well, you might want to look at other ways to really push you know, branding. If it's to get them to take action at the end of the video to do something, uh, which I think the majority of the people that are listening here now would like, then you want to have a, a formula. And I can tell you the formula. It's really simple. It's been developed over years. But you really have just a short amount of time to do a few things. The first thing is, is you need to capture their attention. Um, You need, we call it the hook. Um, Sometimes it's the shock and awe. And you literally have five seconds that you need to hook them in.
0: Okay, hold on a second. Why five seconds?
1: Okay, so that's what I was just going to explain is... You have a five-second before people are able to skip it in YouTube ads. Ah. Um, and if they skip it, they're never going to see the rest of the message. So you really need to get it so it at least captures their attention. Now, with, f- with Facebook, it's a little bit different. It's not five seconds. It's three to five seconds. And you have to do it without sound. Because mm. when the autoplay is going, they're going to see something. you got to grab their attention enough that it, it's able to pull them in. So something visually needs to pull them in. Uh, you know, without sound is really important, but on YouTube, you don't necessarily need to do it without sound because, you know, these are pre-roll videos that actually, actually happen.
0: Okay. So, so let, can we dig in for a second on this yeah, five please. second thing? Yeah. What are some things that we can do to try to get someone to stick around after the five seconds?
1: So generally when people like, okay, so this is off of YouTube search. Let's just
0: take YouTube. Yeah. We're search. focusing on YouTube here.
1: Um, so when people usually go to YouTube, they either want to be educated They want to be entertained, or they want to be inspired, and sometimes it's all three. The education portion of it, they want to know something, so to hook them, you just basically say, hey, you're probably looking to figure out this. Well, guess what? In this video, I'm going to show you how to do that. That's a hook right there because you're you're offering uh, what they're actually looking for so you have the engagement and so on. If you can capture them during those three to five seconds or those five seconds, you have about... 10 to 15 seconds of leeway. They're going to just say, "Okay, I'll watch it this far," and if it's boring, I'm going to click off on something else because there's a lot of things to click on on, on YouTube. Now, Facebook uh, specifically, um, you know, the, the type of videos and and they still they're still in the beginning stages of understanding Facebook video and so on, but it's all about the shareability of it. And so, um, you know, Facebook videos work really, really well and you can capture their attention, but you know, it needs to be so engaging that people will want to hit that share button really easily or tag a friend. But, uh, those are some of the items you can do. Like with the unicorn video, we showed a unicorn pooping ice cream, you know, um,
0: right away in the first few seconds,
1: five seconds, you literally watch it and you'll see within the five seconds what he says in the voiceover and the video it just grabs your attention, and, and you're our, like
0: it, it, that's kind of one of those shock things, right? Like what the yeah, that I see.
1: It's a shock and awe. Yeah, it's right. like one of those. Oh my gosh, what did I just see? Right. And if you read through the comments, you'll see people saying the same thing, but they couldn't leave the screen. They needed to watch the whole thing, which accomplished the next thing, you know. But the the, the critical thing is um, the video that we talked about about my friend Steve Stout that uh, did the video that sells so many couches. It's crazy. Um, he we had the same thing that the the, the um, capture the attention was he he brought up uh, a, a little concern of people's um, you know trying to buy a couch but it's super expensive and he says you know our prices are so low it makes you want to dance and he starts dancing and it just pulls you in and people watch the whole thing. It was just very engaging. So you can do it in, in multiple different ways. The easiest way is to do it through like the searchability aspect if people are asking questions to try to figure it out. And you're offering the questions, say, hey, this this video, I'm going to teach you how to do that, is a, a very simple way. Other ways is to, to really pull them in. The most difficult ones would be music videos. And I do quite a bit of those. Um, you have to really pull them in visually to catch, capture you know, them watching the rest of the video. So, okay. So that's, so, so that's, that's the
0: first, one. first five seconds. So, I mean, yeah, why don't you just, let's step back and give us the whole formula and then we'll, we'll continue to dive into okay, all the other. For elements.
1: Sure. Yep. So, um, always, always is this, um, unless you're doing branding and this is, this is off of a video formula that's going to actually do a conversion. You talk about the, you capture their attention. The next thing that you do is, is talk about the problem and then you offer a solution Uh, And that's where the solution could be education or whatever. And if you're trying to sell something, then you need to do credibility pieces. So whether it's, hey, our Amazon reviews this or so-and-so said this, you know, you're bringing in credibility pieces. You do one, two, and three with a call to action. And the great thing about it is that formula, if you do it right, you can repeat it several times through the video and and keep them engaged throughout the process. And one of the biggest things that we found funny is we had a lot of marketers uh, approach us and say the video that you did for Squatty Potty was way too long. You know, yeah. How was, long was it? it? It was two minutes fifty four seconds, and they says it was a long ad, and you you guys would need to cut it down and, and do it. And I'm like, no. The difference is, is, you don't understand the data that we're collecting, and we understand well enough that we know how to adjust and so on. But we had our call to action at the right right amount of point, uh, the right part in the video, and the way that we do certain things with the call to action throughout the video, uh, it breaks it up so that you know people are not blinded by the call to action and then they take action at the end. Our audience retention is through the roof; is is over eighty percent of the people that click on it watch the whole ad. And so, and, and the percentage behind that is understanding the behavior of someone when they click off. And if you can keep them engaged and re engage during the video, you can do that. So, we follow the same formula. The, you know, it's something I call the power pitch formula. But you capture attention, problem, solution, credibility, 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 call to action problem solution credibility credibility you know call to action and you can do that several times throughout it and if you even do educational videos you talk about problem solution you don't necessarily need to do credibility because once somebody's able to do what you're teaching you don't necessarily need to do that but if you're selling a product that just it reinforces hey I really need to check that out it helps you get the viewer to actually take some action
0: okay so let's break down the potty squatty one, just cause I know it's fresh. It's potty, <laughs> if, was it called squatty potty? Hey, you got it. You okay. Got it. I think I backwards did or something. So, um, you got their attention with the unicorn thing and then what was the problem and how did you bring that in so people can understand how that works? Okay. So,
1: um, first off, you know, that the writers were really good on this, you know, it was identifying what the issue really is. So the issue is with, um, with this specific product is humans are pooping wrong. You know, we, we were made to squat and there's actually a muscle in the body, it's a puborectalis rectalis muscle that kinks the colon. Um, and, and when you're sitting in, on a toilet, it doesn't really unkink it properly. And, it, and for some, most people, it causes constipation and hemorrhoids and so on. And so the, the problem is explaining that and then offering a solution. But you want to do it in a way that doesn't extremely gross somebody out. Because it's a very difficult, touchy subject to to cover, right. but you want to be able to do it in a way that you can offer a solution, and you do it visually so they can see, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then you bring your credibility pieces in, saying, "Hey, yeah, th- they even think it's great," you know.
0: So if I recall, I think you had some sort of an animation showing the inside of the unicorn, right? And. Just- yeah. And that's how you were demonstrating what the problem was. And yeah. Then, and
1: verbally, you know, we had a voice. So like we had the prince that was, was talking about that as well.
0: Yeah. And then the solution, how did you actually introduce the solution and how did you do it in such a way that they didn't want to abandon immediately? Because it sounds like you repeated it, you know, so obviously they stuck around. So yeah. I, so
1: the, the solution is basically that we were, you know, humans were made to squat, you know, and how do we do that on a toilet? Like in the, in the, um, the Orient and and also in the Middle East, you know, they squat and that's how they use the restroom, you know, to, to do that. Well, how do we actually teach people that have been taught the whole way that you just sit on, you know, your porcelain throne and and do your business? Well, the difference is explain why you need to do it. And then you offer the solution, which would be, okay, you either squat or you have something that helps you squat in, in, in your own home. And that's where the squatty potty comes in where you know, it's a stool that tucks neatly under your, your toilet and also helps you be in that squatting position at all the time.
0: So at that point, you said the next... So so we've started with the intro, and then we've got the problem, and then we've got the solution. And what comes after the solution? It's so the-,
1: the solution is... Um, and, and what we did for this specific case, we did a soft call to action, and then we did the credibility. But you can either do uh, credibility one, two, or three... And then the call to action, but we decided to go with a soft call to action, and then credibility one, two, and three, and then another strong call to
0: action. So let's talk about what soft means. Okay. So so basically,
1: we're saying it was a, a real product that they can actually uh, purchase, and they can go to squattypotty.com to check it out. Uh, that was the soft.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So it was really simple and to the point. Yeah,
1: really simple. And then it starts talking about the product a little bit, and then the credibility pieces come in where it's like men's health. You know, uh, and you had all the different variations. Shark Tank and Howard Stern, and all those that uh, that gave it a credibility piece. And then we brought in the credibility piece from Amazon too, which is I think a really important thing that we had over 200 five stars or 2,000 five star reviews. Um, Which is a very important thing too, because people say, okay, it's just not someone endorsing it. You know, these are, this is a real product. Over 2000 people gave it a five star glowing review.
0: Now, had you not repeated the process and you went to the hard call to action, talk about what the hard call to action is and how that might be different than a soft call to action.
1: So the, uh, the, the other one would be your credibility piece. So you'd have your solution credibility piece, one, two, and three, and then a a call to action, a strong call to action.
0: Yeah. But talk about what the strong, how does the strong call to action vary from the soft one is what I'm asking.
1: So what you would do is the soft is just, you're not putting much attention on it. Um, when we do a harder call to action is like, we really verbally say, so if you're a human being who poops with your butt, <laughs> click here to take, you know, to take,
0: gotcha. okay. So. All right, cool. Now, um, if you were to do, and obviously this was a long ad, does this, can this be done in a shorter ad? And if so, what's the shortest duration of an ad that you, you recommend?
1: Um, I've seen ads be effective at 10 seconds. Um, really? Okay. It really, you know, it really depends on what you're doing. And, and the, the whole thing is I want the audience to really disconnect of what actually works on TV because this is not TV. This is YouTube, and YouTube's a lot different. And so um, I think the longest ad that I've ever, ever run was 86 Minutes. Really, and the great thing about those eighty-six minutes, we had over seventy percent watch the eighty-six minutes. Must have been really it's, rich
0: content, obviously.
1: It, th- that's what I'm saying is you, you got to look at your audience, who you're like when you decide what that video is for and what the call to action or the the purpose, the success metrics of it is then you can say, let's build the ads so that it appeals to them. And there are, there is an audience for those 86 minutes. There, there really is. And we were willing to pay for it because we wanted to get that message out and take them through the process. And you had over 70% of them that watched it from beginning to end.
0: Okay. So we've talked about the composition of an ad. Let's get into what do we need to know Plenty of people like myself have probably never run a YouTube ad. We probably were ever on Google Ads or Facebook Ads, but you know, what do we need to know about running video ads on YouTube?
1: So the the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is YouTube has their own platform for advertising. So the way that it works is AdWords is the way that YouTube delivers ads on 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 YouTube but also on Google and the Google Ad Display Network. And what that means is if you set everything up properly, um, there is some amazing retargeting and remarketing that you can do, Mm. uh, far greater than you can ever imagine. And the great thing about it is, um, let me just give you some, uh, your visitor, the, the, the viewer's, uh, I guess listeners, um, <laughs> yep. I'm, used to, I'm used to video here. <laughs> no video here. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are, guys, right? <laughs> but let me give the, the listeners something. It's like when someone goes to your website um, and they don't go to your purchase page or they don't get to your checkout page, we know that they went to the website. And so the next time that they go to YouTube, we can serve them an ad. And we know that they were interested enough to go to that that visitor's web your, your website. So the next thing that you're able to do is you could do some very wicked uh, custom combinations is what they call it in, in AdWords. So you have a lot of if-then statements, and you can make infinite variables for it. Uh, my favorite one is if they went to the, uh, the website, watched a video but didn't purchase, serve them an ad, or they've watched two videos... Um, they shared and liked a video. They commented on a video. We can serve them an ad, or we can redirect them to you know a purchase page. You know if they subscribed to you, unsubscribe, I mean, there's a and a you can of probably things. say
0: if they've spent more than this much time on the site, right?
1: Um, you, you can break it down, not not that far, uh, but you can classify on how far they dig into your site. Gotcha. You're able to do that. But the great thing is, is you can upload remarketing lists. Like if you have all your current customers that you want to have see a specific ad, you can upload it. They actually have a higher match rate than than Facebook, like a h- lot higher. Like That's a relatively
0: rep- new Google feature, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's it's with the new, uh, the new update for sure. I mean, and they're playing catch up in that remarketing uh, realm with... Uh, custom audiences that are built off of emails. But for pixeling they, they dominate. They literally do dominate. Okay.
0: So. so for those listeners that already have custom audiences and are using AdWords, what I hear you saying is the good news is, news is you could serve up video ads to that same list. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: So um, I know, obviously, if they go to YouTube, they'll see a video ad before they watch a video, perhaps. But like, what about outside of YouTube? Can those ads show up yeah, websites? so there's
1: there's a great thing about it is a lot of video content is is served off of YouTube, and so people embed their videos. It could be on Mashable, it could be on a news site or whatever. And depending on you know who's actually buying ads on that, like the the, the vast majority, I'd say you know ninety percent are letting Google and YouTube sell the ads for them. And so your ad can show up in front of that video, wherever it's placed. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will embed
0: it. Oh, I see what ad. you're saying. So if someone's watching an embedded YouTube video on someone else's site, if, that ad if could show have it up. they
1: haven't monetized, they'll see an ad. Yeah, for sure.
0: Wow. Um, very interesting. So, I mean, the the whole remarketing thing is intriguing because we we do we do remarketing for social media marketing world, you know, and we've never done video remarketing. So I love the idea of maybe a personalized video or not personalized, but a some sort of a video, um, that's targeted to people that have visited the page, you know, um, maybe looked at X number of pages and did not, you know, purchase. Cause I know I can do that right now with normal remarketing. Um, I, I think the idea of serving up a video is kind of intriguing. I think one of the first questions that comes into my mind is, is it a lot more complicated to set up a video ad than it is a regular ad?
1: Um, no, it's actually a little bit easier. Uh, the only difference is, is, you know, they're not going to create the video for you. That's where the hard part where a lot of people struggle with. Right. Um, but the the reality is, is just put yourself in the, the place of the viewer. And I think, Michael, the biggest thing is, and this is the coolest thing that a lot of people don't know you can do. Once somebody takes action, we, we live in a in a society where it's all based off of reaction of the viewer. So whatever they, however they react, if they watch that video, they like, comment, share unsubscribe, dislike, whatever, whatever they do, we can create funnels for each one of those processes and each of those funnels can have ads. And the great thing about it and this is where um, where I love it and I love I've been doing this for years where you can take someone down a process where they see an ad, And then it takes them through a series of ads just because they've seen that one ad. And it really primes them to really uh, take action on whatever you're looking to do. And it's not, those other ads are not going to be visible to anyone that hasn't finished through the ad. Or if you might say, I wanted only the people that watched the whole video um, see this next one, or the ones that actually liked or shared see this next one. And you can literally take them through a video funnel um, until you're able to do it. And I've seen- uh, And and
0: that that video funnel can follow them over the web, right?
1: Everywhere they go, and I've seen that convert on on sales that was twenty k plus, and wow. and it was sell just um, almost immediately. Because what you're we doing is you had an active audience that was interested. You're taking them through an educational process of having them be familiar with you or a product or whatever a service, and it's taking them down the path of conversion. And so each video is very specific to help them. Take action, and if they didn't take action, uh, you, you know, it take them down a different path. That they took action and went down a different path, and you know, you basically created video funnels that you know is still active and live, and and is able to handle. All you need to do is is get people uh, in that gathering point, seeing that first ad, and what they do from that first ad, you know, is going to open up what they do um, in those video funnels down the road.
0: For people that don't have big budgets, I mean, could this be something as simple as a talking head or a screen?
1: Oh yeah. No, I, I, some of the most effective ads. I, I think my favorite one was a grandma from Arizona. She, you know, got training from me. We went through the process of developing an ad. She went on Fiverr, got the voiceover and a whiteboard video, paid $20 for everything and had an ad converting. Wow. It's just knowing the elements to create the ad so it's not one of these ads that people are like. oh, Okay, whatever. You know, it, the the it, ca- it caught the attention. It talked about a problem, talked about the solution, had credibility points, had the call to action, and it was a good video. It it, it was a minute uh, twelve seconds, and we did one at thirty six seconds, and you know, uh, you know, she was able to do that for just a little bit over twenty dollars. I mean, you can't beat that.
0: That's awesome. Talk to me about how uh, the YouTube ad you know, bidding and billing and all that fun stuff works.
1: So the, the thing that I love about AdWords is you can get a lot of visibility quick and not even have to pay for it. Uh, what I mean by that, if you have an ad and someone, um, doesn't skip the ad and watches 10 seconds, you're not charged for the ad. You have, they have to watch at least 30 seconds of the ad, or they have to go to the end of the video. Um, And for years, that was the thing. And it didn't matter if they clicked or whatever. Well, as of July, last July, you know, they they put in there a a change where if they take action to click before the 30 seconds, that you would be charged for the click. But realistically, if they didn't click, they didn't, you know, they jumped off at 28 seconds or 29 seconds, you wouldn't be charged for that that video. And you can do a lot of interesting branding pieces with that.
0: So So, just so I totally understand what you're saying. So if the... If if they abandon the ad before thirty seconds and they do not click on some sort of call to action, then you will not get charged. Is that correct? That is correct. What what kind of budgets should we be thinking about as far as the costs? I mean, you could
1: it- you could start out like Google gives you a hundred dollar credit if you spend X amount of dollars. Um, you could start out with that. Um, I I recommend even the smallest places less than $100. You can start with $50. The, the, the difference is, and this is where um, I like to teach and preach not only to the people that I coach and train, but also to the band, uh, brands and businesses that I do, is if we can set it up so that we can prove that every dollar we spend, we can make four or five, who wouldn't want to serve more ads, who wouldn't want to, you know, to position that? And you know, it, it's been great to work with a lot of great companies that have big budgets, but really even the smallest companies, you can with work with minimal budgets. But once you prove that you can pay one dollar and make twelve, um, unless they're one of the you know, the dumbest businessmen in the world I mean everyone's going to escalate that you know and you'll have pl- you'll have uh things that will plateau where you, you you can only go so high unless you extend your target your your reach and and the reality is you can start with the smallest budget you know I I've had people start with twenty dollars and convert on those twenty dollars and that's all they had for you know a month or two and then they were able to escalate because you know some cells and so on and then just scale it up but the deal is, is you need to be able to understand if it's effective and you're analyzing and adjusting it and making it more effective. Like that's one thing that I always do is always split testing ads and, and, and using the one that actually converts. And then um, as as you're having higher conversions, then you know how much money that it's actually bringing in if it's selling a product or if you have a value per you know, conversion, whatever that conversion may be. Then you can say, OK, it's worth it to scale it up to this amount. Um, or you're going to scale it up because you know it's so effective in selling that you can put now a portion of what you just made back into the ad spend, and so once you do that, um, you can really escalate it up where you're you know you, you're you can have a very healthy advertising budget, um, but start 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 small.
0: So, is it similar to AdWords where you typically bid per click, or is it per play. I mean, this is the part I'm struggling to wrap my mind around. Do I yeah, put in uh, a,
1: so no, that's a, that's a great, a great, great concept. So you got to understand what type of ads. So you have TrueView, in-stream. So the in-stream is the ads that pop up, hit pre-roll or mid-roll or post-roll. Okay, those are the in-stream ads. Those are, you know, videos that are playing. Then you have in-display. In-display are banner ads that show up when people search that click on it that goes to a video or a website or whatever, so it's just like the banner ad system that you have there. Right. So the in display um, is is paid per you know paid per click. You know that's the way that they have to do it. Um, but for TrueView, it's it's um, for view. They're only charging off a view or click of that view. So. You, you, you'll put a, uh, you know, an amount, like if you want to say, I'll do three cents per view, you can put that in for three cents and you know, you'll see, uh, you'll only get the people that go past that 30 seconds, uh, or be charged for that click. If they charge the click, it's the, the price that you, um, put in per view.
0: Gotcha. So, so where should we start with our, with our per play? I mean, do we, something that cheap, three cents, or I mean, or should we start higher?
1: It really depends on your audience. I like to say in general, where do you start? Yeah. Um, I generally do, uh, you know, I, I really generally start higher in every market. I see what the suggested uh, amount is that Google has me do. And I usually drop it down by a few cents and, and I'm okay. And I do a point of usually about 14 days to see what that that ad does and adjust during that time and see what the average is. And then I'm able to bring it down further and I take it and adjust it and see another 14 days and then take it down further until I have my optimal point And I know, you know, how well the ad converts. Uh, but realistically, I don't mind doing $2 per view. If I know that every view converts, you know, right. Yeah. It, it's just yeah, like, know. if
0: you, if you, if your goal is to get like, uh, Fifty dollars per conversion, then you'd be willing to get twenty-five views or whatever. Exactly. So, um, do these YouTube videos also live on your YouTube channel, and can they kind of, you know, uh, are they hidden? You know, are the ads hidden from the regular videos? Do you want to upload them on your your channel also, and just hope so that? If, yeah.
1: If, if you go to YouTube, um, and this is the best way to answer, it. if you go to YouTube and and type in "Who is Daryl Eaves." And my name's spelled D E R R A L E V E S. You'll see an ad there, um, and it's a regular video that I uploaded to my YouTube channel, but it's my channel ad too. Um, I use this at times. Uh, to, I serve out as ads. I think I have like twenty dollars um, on it. You know, every other three days or something like that. But um, so it's not the a huge huge ad or anything like that. But the great thing about it is I can get organic traffic you know, from people looking at it when they're typing in who, who, who I am. But also when they watch a video or two, if I choose to turn that advertising on, which I do turn it on and off at times, um, I can get subscribers from it. Because I use that as an ad serving because it, it kind of explains my channel. It explains who I am.
0: Gotcha. So any video that you upload to your channel could be turned into an ad is what I hear you saying. That is
1: correct. But, and keep in mind too, is a lot of the strategies we do is there might be one video that you show, um, to the world and you might have 40 different versions of that video that you're split
0: testing that are unlisted, right? That are unlisted. Perfect. Well, Daryl, I know we've just literally scratched the surface of this and it's like so intriguing. I want to start experimenting. Um, where can people discover more about YouTube ads and more about you, uh, Daryl Eaves? you want to send to your YouTube channel or a website? Where would you like yeah, to send Yeah,
1: I, I think the best thing is I, you can go to com and it's spelled D-E-R-R-A-L-E-V-E-S.com or you can just type in Google or YouTube, you know, Daryl Eves or YouTube, it doesn't matter. You'll, you'll go to my YouTube channel. Um, I give out a lot of free training, a lot more than what most people do. I just I love training. I love helping people. Um, I think a lot of information should be open source, and so you know I'm always teaching and training. Um, and there's just a, a lot of information. I think I have you know over 200 some odd videos, free you know training videos that you can go on and, and do it on my on my YouTube channel. Plus, you know my website has a lot of blog posts and different things that I do. So
0: excellent, Daryl leaves. YouTube expert. Thank you so much for joining me today. On behalf of my listeners, it was awesome.
1: Thanks, Michael.
0: Well, I hope you found that as valuable as I found it. I know that uh, Daryl is a true expert when it comes to YouTube advertising, and I'm very inspired. If there was anything that we mentioned in today's show and you just missed it, well, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. You can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 172 stands for episode 172 man it's hard to believe I've cut that many episodes hey listen if you're new to the show don't miss a future episode subscribe to the podcast using whatever player you use hit that subscribe button this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the social media marketing podcast I'm your host Michael Stelzner I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week I hope you make the absolute best out of your day